You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It is good to see all of you guys here today. If you are watching online, we are glad that you tuned in. If you're listening to this as a podcast, I'm glad that you've tuned in as well. Uh, We're starting a new series, obviously, today. It is called Real Friends, and I need you guys to help me. Can you preach with me just a little bit today? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody get out your phone if it's not already out, right? Everybody get out your phone. We're going to do a quick survey today. It's completely anonymous. We're not going to know who says what, and it doesn't require any of your information, all right? And so if you uh, have your phone, which I'm sure you do, You're going to go to this website, you're going to type in this code, and you're going to answer two quick questions, because I want to know who's in the room today and who I'm talking to, and so this is going to help me preach. So can you guys do me a favor real quick? Everybody, you with me? You with me? All right, here we go. Go for it. Um, We're starting a series today. It's called Real Friends, and uh, I have a feeling that there are people in the room uh, who need some real friends And there are people in the room who also need to be a real friend to someone else. And so I'm excited about this series. You know, the way that we live in this culture is making us feel lonelier. And there's actually a lot of new research that that is out that is teaching us a lot about what this culture is doing and, and, and how we're becoming more and more isolated. In fact, some surveys are saying that the next biggest health issue which is on par with obesity and on par with substance abuse, is loneliness. I think because of social media, I mean, it seems like we are way more connected than ever before, but at the same time, we feel more alone than ever before. And so we're faced with some of these struggles that, that we, you know, we're, we're, we're online a lot. We've got a lot of friends and we've got a lot of acquaintances and we talk to a lot of people, but... If we're honest, they're all kind of like surface level um, friendships, and, and we don't have those meaningful relationships that we, we can and should and must have as followers of Christ. Um, a lot of you guys live far from your family, and so you know your, your parents or your brothers and sisters live in another part of the country, and so that leads to a feeling of, of just being alone. Some of you, um, you know, may, maybe you just moved in this area, and, and, and so because of that, you, you do kind of feel a little bit alone, and, and so we, we kind of lean on social media as, as kind of a crutch to help us with our, um, our relationships, but at the same time, we don't have a lot of face-to-face time with those significant relationships, and so that leads us to kind of feel more isolated. It leads us to feel disconnected. It leads us to really mental fatigue, a lot of anxiety, and, and just all kinds of problems, and one study uh, that just recently came out was by Cigna, and they surveyed 20,000 Americans to explore the impact of loneliness in America. Here's what they found. They found that nearly half of Americans report feeling lonely. Half. So half of the people in the room are experiencing some level of loneliness today. And then they also discovered that 43% of Americans feel that the relationships that they do have are not meaningful. But just let that sit in for just a minute. I mean, here we are in America, half of us don't have any real friends, and, and then almost another half of us say that the relationships that we do have don't really have 
a deep meaning connected to it. So this means we feel less connected to others, and our relationships are becoming more and more superficial. You know, loneliness affects all of us at some point uh, in life. You know, if you, like I mentioned, if you move to this area, maybe you're starting a new school, uh, maybe you started a new job, uh, maybe you lost a loved one recently, uh, you broke up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. I mean, all of these things uh, lead us to, to, to feel a little bit lonely or isolated, and, and that feeling uh, motivates some people to find new connections, but they're not always easy to find. And so as we think about this today, I want us to kind of know who's in the room and, and know what's going on. So this is kind of a, a chance for me because I could click the next button and then everybody's like, yes, I have all kinds of friends. And then the, the thing fails big time, right? So guys, go ahead and show the results. These are all live you know, results. And so you can, you can keep adding to this. If you're at home, you can add to this. So, so here's what we've got so far. We've got... Okay, it looks like 42% occasionally, right? So, so again, right on par with the American kind of culture here, how often do you feel lonely? And almost half of us in the room are saying occasionally. So, so quite often here, we're, we're experiencing this idea that we're not connected to anyone or the, the relationships that we do have aren't really meaningful, here we've got 12% that say very frequently. So my goodness, in a room this size, you're talking about hundreds of people who very frequently feel lonely. I mean, that should resonate with us as a body of believers, and it's why we're doing this series. Let's take a look, guys, at the next question. First of all, how often do you feel lonely? And then secondly, how often do you, uh, do you feel your friends really understand you? So, so, okay, here again, almost half of us, 41%, are saying occasionally, right? And so, um, let's see, rarely, never, very rarely, always. All right, so that's kind of alarming, isn't it? That only 3% of us are saying that our friends really understand us? I, I mean, that's eye-opening to me. Wasn't counting on that one. But... But, but sometimes we, we have a little mixed signals here because we think, oh, yeah, I've got friends and they understand me. And then when we answer the question, it's not so much what we've said, but it's what we didn't say. And what we didn't say is, I can always count on my real friends to understand, you know, who I am, what I'm going through, and what I'm dealing with. I don't know about you, but uh, friendships um, can be extremely difficult to develop uh, there's a lot of insecurities when it comes to developing friendships. There's also a, a fear kind of wrapped up into it. And so I wanted us to kind of think today about what would happen and, and what does happen in our life when we don't have meaningful relationships. And so let's go to that next slide here. If I can get to it. No signal. Awesome. So here's what, does, here, here's what happens when we, in fact, uh, don't have meaningful relationships. And the first thing that happens if you're taking notes is that we lose perspective. I mean, it's very easy for us to lose perspective, here we go, when we're not in meaningful relationships. Because think about it, when I don't have any close friends around me, when I go through a challenging season, when something difficult happens, I can lose perspective and I think that my problem is the end of the world, Right? My problem is the end of the world. But if you have a close friend in your life, then you go through a situation and they're like, oh yeah, we went through that. 
I mean, if you're a parent and you, you have another friend who is a parent and their kids are going through something, they just think, oh my gosh, my kid's, you know, it's going to end up in jail. And then, you know, another parent goes, oh, no, 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 my kid went through that as well. You're like, oh, perspective, right? See, that's what friends and real friends help us experience. And so if we don't have that, we lose perspective very easily. Another thing that happens is we fear intimacy. You see, the longer you go without meaningful relationships, the more you depend upon yourself and the more you begin to fear taking a risk with finding a new relationship. And listen, the longer you're without a real friend, the more comfortable you're going to feel alone. And so we really build up that fear of intimacy the longer we don't have any close, meaningful relationships. Another reality is that we become selfish. Think about it. If you don't have real friends in your life, all you really think about is yourself. If, if I don't have meaningful relationships, I don't have the opportunity to love others, I don't have the opportunity to help others or to serve others, and so that just means all I have to do is really kind of just focus on myself, and I just have to care about my needs and I have to care about me, and that leads to a very self-driven, self-focused life. Another thing that happens if we don't have meaningful relationships is poor health. Now, now, this one, as I was studying this week, really, really kind of hit home. Like, it's scary to think about some of the statistics that are coming out as, as far as how not having meaningful relationship in our life actually affect our health. Here are a couple of things that, that I wanted uh, you guys to hear and to know. First of all, when we don't have meaningful relationships, a survey by mental, the Mental Health Foundation said, for those experiencing loneliness for a long time, research is showing its impact on your health is more negative than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Wow. The Society for Personality and Social Psychology says developing meaningful relationships are the healthiest thing you'll do during the duration of your life. The healthiest thing that you can do is not go home and eat a salad. The healthiest thing you and I can do, this is from a secular organization, they're saying is develop meaningful relationships. Another survey said that loneliness increases the mortality risk by 26%. I don't know about you, but some of these things hit home, and not only does it motivate me to pursue friendships, but it also motivates me to encourage other people to pursue friendships and meaningful, lasting relationships. Here's what I know. A lot of you guys know people, and you have a lot of acquaintances. Southerners are traditionally friendly people, but here's the reality. Loneliness is about the quality of rather than the quantity of relationships that we have, right? So a person may have a lot of friends. You may have a lot of acquaintances, but still find that you have a need and desire for a deeper connection. Because we can have a lot of Facebook friends. We can have a lot of people, you know, some of you guys have lived in this area forever. And so you have family here, and you went to school with people here, and and they've known you forever. And so that can kind of be deceptive, because you can talk about the weather and you can talk about sports. And so you feel like, you know, you're, you're connected and that you have a lot of friends. And yet there's this deep desire for more in your heart. And maybe you just don't quite know why that is. And, and it's great to have all these friends. But even with all these connections, you know, you still need real friends. And in this series, 
Some of you think you've got tons of friends, but you're going to have a wake-up call, and you're going to realize that, in fact, you don't have any real friends. And uh, let me tell you and show you what I'm going to define a real friend as. A real friend helps you grow closer to Jesus. See, that's what a real friend does. A real friend doesn't just, you know, bail you out of jail if that happens, right? A real friend is someone who helps you grow closer to Jesus. And we want to rally around that today because this series, it's not about overcoming loneliness. The point is that many people in the room are experiencing loneliness. And as a follower of Christ, you don't have to be alone. In fact, the scripture says you're not alone, but, but we want to overcome this feeling. We want to pursue what Christ is calling us to pursue today. And maybe you don't have a lot of friends, or, or, or maybe you would say, I need a real friend today. Uh, some of you just kind of feel this weight as even I begin to talk about this. And, and so here's the goal for the series. The goal for the series for us is to understand what gospel-centered friendship looks like and pursue it through our small group ministry. That's my goal. I just want to be honest with you. You're going to hear a lot about small groups. You're going to hear a lot about our small group connect because we believe as we understand what gospel-centered friendship, gospel-centered community really looks like, then I want to challenge, 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 encourage, encourage, encourage every single one of you to pursue this kind of community and relationship through our small group ministry. And by the way, the small group connect is Monday, August 12th at 6.30 p.m. right here at FC, FC in the atrium. So that's two weeks from today. So if you're not in a small group, oh, right, write it down, check it out. Just because you come doesn't mean you're committing to anything. You're catching the vibe, you're meeting people, get in our system, right, and pursue friendship because you're gonna learn it takes a while to develop these friendships, right? It doesn't just happen overnight. And here's the other thing. Some of you have been in a small group and it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. And, and, and we're gonna see in this series, that's because of sin and that's because of selfishness. And so sometimes things don't go the way that we wanted and the enemy wants to use some of those weird experiences that keep you from pursuing it in the future. But we're gonna say in this series, uh-uh, not today, right? The Lord wants us to pursue this calling to be in relationships together. So let's take a little bit of a theology class, okay? Um, let's, let's get to the doctrine and theology of community. Now, I'm gonna lose some of you here, and I recognize that, but, but stay, everybody, whoo, stay with me. I'm gonna move quick through this because I feel like today uh, is foundational because I, I, I want today to be about why community is necessary, right? And we're gonna get to that quickly. Here we go. So the first thing is in Genesis 126, it says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Why is God using a plural you know, pronoun here, let us, after our? Well, if you're taking notes, it's really simple. God exists in community. We call it the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He eternally exists in three persons in one God. So our God is a relational God. He himself exists in community. He's not asking you to do something that he himself is not already doing and has done for the existence, his existence. So God exists in community. That's step one. Now in verse 26, Genesis 1, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. 
So, okay, here we, here we go again. So important for us to grasp today is that you and I are created in God's image. This is huge, right? God exists in community, and you and I were created as in, in his image. So this has implications all across the board. We could talk about this all year if we wanted to, the implications that this means. But really quickly, a couple of things that being creating the image of God means. It means, number one, the theory of evolution and just remember, students, it is a theory, right? They can't prove any of this. It's a theory of evolution that, in, in, in the, world, the way that the world would understand it, that we evolved from apes, is a, a lie based on the biblical truth that we're created out of the image and in the image of God. Uh, scripture tells us that God created ex nihilo, that is Latin for out of nothing. So out of nothing, God created the world. And out of the dust of the earth, God creates Man, right? And so huge implications here. Another implication is that every single human being on the planet is valuable and should be treated with respect. No matter who they are, young or old, rich or poor, no matter what country they are from, no matter what nationality, you know, they, they are from, no matter what color of skin they have, they're to be treated with the utmost respect as an image bearer of God, which means racism obviously is a sin. Another uh, implication is that a child in the, in the womb of a mother is to be valued. That uh, person is, in fact, a person. They are alive. They have a soul. And as an image bearer in the womb, we must protect that precious gift. Listen, when the gift of life is given to a woman, it's no longer just your body you now have another body to care for, right? It also means that the mentally handicapped in the world aren't to be disregarded. You know, just because they don't contribute to society like you might think they should or some, some you know, people might think they should doesn't, doesn't mean that we can just get rid of them or eliminate them. No, every single person, handicapped and all, is valuable in the eyes of God. It also means, another implication, is that we don't trash the planet, so we don't, we don't worship the planet as some do, but we are to steward and manage it. We were created in the image of God to cultivate, to steward, to manage the planet that we live on. And so God would call us to faithfully do so. There are many, 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 many more. But I want to close with this one. Because we are an image bearer of a relational God, he calls us to live ourselves in relational community. Just as he lives in community, he is calling us to live and, and, and operate in community as an image bearer. So a lot of theology there. Good stuff. Here's the next verse, Genesis 2.18. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Here's what it means. You and I were created for community. Listen, without community, we are incomplete as humans. This doesn't mean that if you are not married, you're incomplete. That's not what it means. It, 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 Paul tells us elsewhere in the New Testament that it's better not to get married. You know, if you, can, if you can not get married, you're gonna be able to focus more attention on the Lord. But what this teaches us is that we're created for community and without community, then we're missing something. We are incomplete. See, we were made for community. Because of sin, we tend to run from the very thing that we long for. 
We long for connection, we long for friendships, we long to be in relationship with others, but because of sin, we run from it. And as a result of running from it, we are incomplete. And listen, God is calling us to something much deeper and greater. He's calling us to something much richer, something much more significant than, than just having a few good buddies. He's calling us to relationships that would inspire us and change us to live for Jesus. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus, God has made true community possible. And the reason and the way is because Jesus restores what sin breaks. Jesus restores what sin has broken down. Yes, we have been, some relationships in your life have been broken down. Maybe your, even your marriage today is broken down because of sin. You've had some friendships that didn't last Now you're trying to make friends with somebody, but it's rocky. Why? It's because of sin. And what Jesus does through the cross and through his resurrection is he he heals things that are broken. And so he calls us to this deeper, richer way to live life in community. Here's the next verse, Genesis chapter 3. He says this, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, talking about Adam and Eve, in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. So essentially what, what has happened is they, they sinned, the first sin they committed, and immediately after they sinned, they hid themselves. Here's what sin does. Sin always separates. Sin separates us relationally from God, and sin separates you from your close friends. Sin always separates us. And so that's why, again, some of us have rocky relationships, and we know this to be true. And the way to overcome that and to heal that is to repent, confess, and then walk in the grace of Jesus again uh, together. Sin always separates. And then we also see this in the very next verse. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? You see, the God that we serve pursues sinners. God pursues sinners. He's pursuing Adam and Eve in the garden. He's pursuing you today. That's why you're here. Some of you are followers of Jesus, and and he continues to pursue you to deepen that relationship. He's calling you to to, to deeper, uh, a deeper relationship with him, and and he's encouraging you to take steps into community and deeper relationships with others. Some of you are not followers of Jesus today. You've never experienced salvation And God is calling to you today. He is pursuing you today. He's saying, where are you? Where are you? Here I am. He's calling you. He's beckoning you to come unto himself. You see, real love, authentic real love, requires a relationship. Requires relationship. Think about it. You and I could never experience real love if we weren't in a relationship. Because love requires relationship. This is why God demonstrates it in the Trinity. He is demonstrating that love within the community of the Trinity. And he is calling us into community so that we can experience true love, so I can give love, and so that I can receive love. And the amazing thing about God's love is that he is pursuing us. He is pursuing sinners like me, like you today. And because he is pursuing us, he is inviting us through the grace of his mercy to forgive us of sin, cleanse us of sin, and call us to a deeper relationship. And that's exciting. That's the opportunity that we have. Finally, we are called 
to reflect the nature of God. So we've just learned some of the nature of God. And now what I'm saying is we are called to reflect this nature to the world, to our close friends, to our family. Here are a few examples, not complete, but a few examples. First Peter tells us to be holy as he is holy. So we're, we're to live holy. That's reflecting the glory of God. Colossians 3 says, forgive as Christ forgave you. So we're called to forgive. That's reflecting the glory of God. Accept others as Christ accepted you. Romans 15. Why? Because this is who God is. He accepted me. Right? And so we're called to reflect that glory to the world and to our community. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Luke 6. Again, calling us to demonstrate and show the character of God to those in our life. Live a life of love just as Christ loved you. Ephesians 5, this is who we're supposed to be. So this is reflecting the glory of God. Live in the light as your Father is in the light. First John, listen, because we're created for community, we're called to live in community. So this whole thing is a community event, not just an individual command, right? When you believe these truths, then you're able to start answering some of the deepest, or not some of the, the deepest, most meaningful questions that you will ever ask in your life. And listen, these are the questions that your lost friends and family members are asking as well. Who am I? Who am I? What is my real identity? Like, who am I supposed to be? And then, like, what do I do? What am I supposed to do with my life? And then how do I do it? Like these are fundamental questions that every human being is going to ask. And, and we don't, until we grasp some of these concepts, we'll never know. We'll never know. And you and I have to now press into um, some, some scripture today that's going to begin to uncover what that identity is. Because as we discover that identity, again, we're asking the question, why is community important? Seen a lot of good things here. Why is community important? We want to see who we are, and then that leads us to what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. So again, hang with me. Here we go. Next passage of Scripture is 1 Peter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can go to 1 Peter 2. If you don't, I'm going to read it right here. Peter says in verse 5, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Right? Circle that in your Bibles. We're a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable, circle that word in, in, in your Bibles, to God through Jesus Christ. And so what we're learning here is, is, is twofold, right? As a spiritual house, we're understanding our identity, right? And so as we understand our identity as followers of Christ, we realize that our identity falls in line with who he is. We don't identify as just what we do. You know, some of you say, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a mechanic, or I'm a pastor, or I'm a teacher. Like, that's part of who you are, but that's not ultimately who you are. You, you don't do, you know, and then find your identity. No, you find your identity, and out of your identity, then you, you do. And so Jesus dies on the cross, pays for sin, clothes us in righteousness. He adopts us as sons and daughters into his family. Now this is our new identity. And so he calls us a spiritual house. And the spiritual house is, is not a physical building. You hear us say this, have said this before. You don't come to church, you be the church. And so he's not saying I'm building up, you know, with bricks and stones and mortar, a, a, a physical building. No, he says, look, as a spiritual house, this, this is not a physical building. This is a spiritual dwelling for God. God lives in each one of you 
who have experienced salvation. So he lives in us as a spiritual house. Again, this is, this is plural. He calls us here not, not, just to, not just to be a part of it, but he says this is who you are. So again, implications as a spiritual house, first of all, means we're not to be isolated Christians. Just do it on your own. He's actually saying, no, you are becoming a place where God dwells. And as he dwells, we are offering spiritual sacrifices here that are acceptable to God. That means there is a right way to worship and a wrong way to worship. So we want to be acceptable and we want to bring to God the worship, the offering, the service, the ministry, the heart that is acceptable to him. He is calling us a spiritual house, right? And so that's who you are now. Let's keep going in 1 Peter. Jump to verse 9. He says, but you are, here's your identity again, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are. All right, let's just pause here. We're a chosen race. It means that we identify as a new race, a new people. We are set apart for his holiness, for for his glory. And so we are a a, a new ethnicity, a new, brand new race of people who are to be called sons and daughters of God. This is not something you are becoming. As a follower of Jesus, this is who you are. He calls us a royal priesthood, which means, look, we don't need a priest. There's, there's no longer a need for a mediator between us and God. We don't offer an animal sacrifice. We don't have to go to a priest or a preacher, you know, to talk to God. We have direct access to God. You and I are now a priesthood because of the Holy Spirit within us. He calls us a holy nation, a holy nation. The words there, the Greek words are ethnos hagion, which means a holy ethnicity, So this new ethnicity set apart by God and for God, he says that we are a people, a holy people. So again, this is who we are. In Christ, a holy people, that means that that, that God wants you to not just, you know, not just grow into this. He's saying this is who you are. We are now God's people. Now, we think about this, you know, out of who we are. Out of my identity, I'm a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people. Out of this, now I can start to understand, what am I supposed to do? This is who I am, so now what do I do? And out of my identity comes worship. He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. So so now it's worship. I'm proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. So acceptable praise. You know, we, we, we didn't have God's mercy now you have God's mercy, so we praise him. We, we live a life of worship to God. And as I'm worshiping him, because of my identity, I worship. And I worship the one true God, and I run after him, and I grow in that relationship with him. We didn't have God's mercy. Now we have God's mercy. And so we flow into what worship means. We flow and understand what that identity becomes. And and then out of identity now flows our mission. So we're proclaiming the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are a people. So we are proclaiming the excellencies. We are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received it. 
Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul, right? So, so he's, he's referring to us as sojourners and exiles, which means we're strangers. See, we're not home. Out of our identity flows worship. Out of my identity flows mission, the mission of God. He's, he's reminding us here, hey, listen, America is not your home. Uh, Blunt County is not your home. We were made to live with God forever in paradise. So we're just passing through. We're just sojourners. We're just strangers. We're exiles. We're we're, we're all aliens on this world and in this world, right? And so we have to continue to, 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 to have that mindset that we're not home yet. And so because we're not home yet, we're living for the land and in our future home. And so therefore, I'm gonna proclaim the excellencies of God. I'm gonna proclaim the excellencies of God to a lost and dying community who, as we've already seen, uh, half are extremely lonely and half can't find a real friend. God calls us to proclaim the gospel to them. And some of you will proclaim the gospel here in this city. Some of you will proclaim the gospel in Knoxville when we plant a campus. Some of you will go overseas in another country to proclaim the gospel. Each of us will determine and understand where that calling and area needs to be. But all of us, because of our identity in Christ, are to live as if we are aliens and strangers in this world to proclaim the excellencies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You guys agree with me on that? Yeah, yeah, that was weak. So we find through our identity worship, we find through our identity mission, and then finally we find through our identity that we are together. Like we, we don't do this alone, right? Because we are a spiritual house, right? And so keep your conduct, verse 12, among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Again, mission, mission, right? And so when he's calling us here to out of our identity worship, out of our identity on mission, and now I'm saying out of identity we are in community, what we're saying is, look, we, we're a spiritual house. Like all of these words are plural, So it's not like, Trent, you got to do this. Trent, you got to do this. No, he's saying as a church, as a spiritual house, not as individuals, but together we are being built. Together, we're not separated, we're together. And so our friendships will reflect a transformed life in this culture so that the gospel penetrates the hearts and minds of the lost in this community so that they will glorify God, right? So this is done in and through community. We're not called to do any of this just simply on our own. Certainly, I share the gospel alone, but it's through the community of believers that I am equipped, that I grow, that I'm sent out, that I'm loved for, cared for, prayed over. And it's through this community that God is calling you and I to identify with. It's through the body of Christ. When you understand this, when you begin to understand the why biblically, the theology of community, why it is important. You begin to understand, okay, God lives in community. I'm created in the image of God, so I'm, I'm, I'm created for community. I'm pursuing the lost as God is pursuing the lost. You begin to find that true identity. And when you know who you are in Christ, you discover, listen, what you're supposed to do. So recap real quick. 
We live to worship God. We live for God's mission. And we live in God's community. This is, as a follower of Jesus, this is out of identity. Discover identity. This is now what we're doing. So some of you look at this and you claim the name of Jesus, but your worship is sporadic, if not non-existent. You claim the name of Jesus, but you are not living on God's mission. You claim the name of Jesus, but you are not connected to his people. I just have to warn you, you may be deceiving yourself. Like, and I want to encourage you to wake up and pursue the things that God is calling you to pursue. See, we tend to think of community as something that's just good for us. It's a good idea. It's a good idea for those people who don't have much going on. You know, I got so much going on. I got a big family. I got a job and stuff. We just can't fit it into our schedule, man. Oh, you're so busy. You don't need it. Here's the reality. Community is not just something that is a good idea. When you understand who you are, when you begin to understand your identity, you begin to realize that it's not just a good idea for you, it's essential, it's necessary. So if we aren't pursuing relationships, if we aren't pursuing gospel community, then I would, I would warn you and say, don't deceive yourselves. You've missed an essential part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus because I don't just go to small group because I need something. I always hear this, like we're just too busy or I don't need any, I got good friends. Because it's so self-driven. It's so self-focused. Listen, the enemy wants you to spend all of your money on yourself. He wants you to spend all of your extra time on your hobbies and taking care of your family and, 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 and enjoying you know, all the you know, resources that he's given. He wants you to show up Sunday after sh- Sunday and leave unchanged and leave unconcerned. That's what he wants. And in some of your lives, he's winning. He's doing exactly what he plans to do. And so we've got to shift our mind from, from this idea that small groups is just something that weak people need or small groups is just a good idea when we have the time for it. And we've got to start to see it in this light. Here's the bottom line for today. Community is not simply benefit-driven. It's identity-driven. It's identity-driven. So I pursue community not because of how it's going to benefit me. And now listen, Small groups is going to benefit me. I'm going to grow. I'm going to connect. People are going to care for me. They're going to encourage me. But I don't pursue it because of the benefits. I pursue it because that's who I am. You see the difference? Because I am a follower of Christ, I am in community. I am encouraged to be in community. I long for community. I just simply am in community because this is who I am. Yeah, people are going to minister to me. But the bottom line is that as I pursue it, I am there to encourage others. I am there to benefit others. I am there to love others. So you may think you're super Christian, you know, 100% on board with Jesus. Good for you, man. I'm glad you figured it out. I haven't, but I'm glad you have, and you don't need relationships. But here's, here's who you are in Christ. You pursue those because other people need you. Other people need you to encourage them. Other people, half the people in the room are feeling isolated or alone, right? Three percent of us feel like our true friends actually understand us. (laughs) Like we've got some work to do relationally as a community of believers. And so I don't just go for benefits. I go because that's who I am. 
a spiritual house being built up. And some of you are missing that part of your life. And so through this series, I want us to grasp like, not just the why today, but I wanna talk about how to do it. So how do you get a real friend? Some of you have friends, but they're not real friends. They're close. They're close. How do you get to that level? Some of you are afraid of that. You're like, man, I don't even want to, I want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I hope today was encouraging. Like, this is the why. And this is who God is calling us to be. And as we pursue it, the blessing and the idea of, of not only just simply being cared for, but being able to care for others and and demonstrate the glory of God in other people's life. This is who we are as a people. And so next week, I hope you'll come back. Next week is about how to develop a real friend and what a real friend actually even looks like. And so I'm excited uh, to share that, and I hope you'll return. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we, we know that you're calling us into waters that we, um, some of us have never gone to. But Lord, this, this is who we are. And the joy and just the, the level of spiritual depth, God, that happens when we pursue real friends, when we are experiencing gospel community, is like no other. And so God, I pray, Lord, help us to get to that point. I know there are men and women in the room who maybe have been hurt before, where things haven't worked out before. And God, those walls are so thick and high today. God, start chipping away at those walls. May they begin to fall apart. Lord, I know that as we pursue this, there's a heaviness, but there's also an excitement, God, because what would it look like if everybody in the room began to pursue this friendship? Then it wouldn't be like half of us feeling lonely or only 3% of us like not, not trusting somebody or like not having somebody to, to that confident to, to kind of know us, Lord. But what if every single person in the room was known and cared for by a real friend? Lord, you would change this city because ultimately the world is looking at us to see how we treat each other. And so, Lord, we want to experience it, but we also want to experience it so that we can be a witness. So, Lord, we, we pray this. We hope for this. We look forward and expect this to take place all across the room, Lord, as we understand what it means to be in community. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.